following sermon is by Andy Lake, the senior pastor of Liberty Bible Church. This program, Grow in Liberty, is the preaching ministry of Liberty Bible Church in Vienna, Ohio. Liberty Bible Church places a priority on the Word of God over all else and has a desire to share truth with believers and non-believers alike. Our prayer is that as people tune in, they would come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Join us as we grow together through the Word of God. Remain standing, if you would, as we open our Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, as you're turning there, I'm, I want to introduce uh, what we're going to be looking at over the course of the next several weeks. We're going to be looking at the idea of church membership and does it really matter? Does it matter? So we're going to, over the next course of the next several weeks, the first uh, week we're going to look at is membership really even biblical? Is it biblical? Uh, next week, we're going to be looking at baptism. What is baptism all about? Uh, why do it? What, is, what does it mean? How do we do it? So forth and so on. The following week, we're going to be looking at the Lord's Supper in detail. Why do we observe the Lord's Supper? And then as we continue from there, we're going to be looking at the attitude of membership. Now, there is an actual good attitude, proper attitude, wrong attitude, as far as church membership goes. And then last but not least, because that gets cut off on the back for me, what is the point? What is the point of church membership? Who cares, right? I believe the Lord cares. Otherwise, he wouldn't have given to us indicators in Scripture about church membership. And so as we start this morning off, we're going to be looking at the idea of church membership and what it really is, what church membership entails, what it's, what it's all about. Look with me, if you would, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we'll start reading actually in verse 12. It says, For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, have been all made to drink into, this, into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body, as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body? Father, I ask that you would do something that only you can do, and that is to clarify for us your word. Help us to see very uh, clearly, Lord, what it is that your word has us uh, to do, 
to be. Help us, Father, to apply these things to our lives that we would not get caught up in the minutia of this world, but that we would remain focused on the call of Jesus Christ to represent you well. Conform us, Father, more this morning into the image of your dear Son. We pray these things in your Son's precious and holy name, the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So this idea of what exactly is church membership, uh, church membership is one of many misunderstood parts of the local New Testament church. Uh, so often membership is uh, pushed kind of into uh, one of two ditches. Now, uh, you, you know, I, I like my road analogy, and whenever you're traveling down the road of truth, it is very easy, if we're not careful, to slip into one ditch or another. Uh, I grew up in West Virginia in the backwoods in the hills of West Virginia, and uh, those of you who maybe have driven some of the roads that I have driven understand, you know, you're driving down a one-lane road, there are no guardrails, and you are driving on the side of a mountain. And uh, you see you see somebody coming from the other direction, and people get nervous. What are we going to do? There's someone coming. What are we going to do? Well, we're just going to make our way through, and we'll all survive. It'll be Okay. But what can very easily happen if you're not cautious and you're not used to driving some of those back roads of West Virginia, you might find yourself very easily sliding off the road down into a ditch. It happens very easily. And so does it also happen when we're referring to doctrine. And you can very quickly be traveling down the road of truth and fall into one ditch or the other. And I want to kind of help us to understand what we're looking at in this uh, and, and make sure that as we go through this study that we remain on the road of truth and not fall into one of these two ditches. Let me give you two faulty outlooks that often come uh, when we're dealing with church membership. The first of that being that membership is not really that important, and membership really only breeds pride and exclusivity, spoken typically by someone who doesn't want to be a member. <laughs> This is not the type of membership that we're talking about. Now, I want it to be very clear that you can easily uh, make your way down into this type of exclusivity and prideful arrogance when it's uh, uh, in reference to church membership. You can easily do that if we do not maintain a biblical understanding of what church membership is all about. It's easy to have that individual who likes to you know, grab hold of their coattails, their shirt collars and everything, and very arrogantly, as the uh, pious Pharisee would have said, I thank God that I'm not like these lowly individuals, but me, I'm a member. I've been a member of such and such church for the past 4,000 years, and I'm going to continue to be a member of this. Wow. There is that danger with church membership. But there's another danger that is involved as well, where membership is becomes now so important that it's a requirement for true spirituality, or even it's being a requirement for salvation. Some have taken it so far to where you can't actually be saved unless you are a member of a church, or specifically speaking, I've heard it said, you can't be saved unless you're a member of this specific church. 
My friends, that's another ditch in the road of truth. And so we want to be careful with these two different uh, ideas. Uh, The membership does not bring about some sort of higher class or even a higher degree uh, of someone or even of their salvation, nor is it so uh, to be put off to the side because it's not that important. We don't want to, we don't want to worry about these things. It's who cares about church membership. It's, it it doesn't mean anything. We don't want to fall into one of those two ditches. We want to stay right along the, the road of truth in this. And so over the course of the next several weeks, this is what we're going to try to be looking at is some of the why behind the what's of what we're doing. But I really wanted to spend a little bit of time today giving a practical understanding and a biblical foundation for church membership. First, membership tends to be uh, bring about sort of an idea of perks or benefits. That's oftentimes the idea. You know, if I'm a member of Sam's Club, that means I can shop at Sam's Club and I can buy their cakes, while someone who's not a member of Sam's Club, they're not allowed. You got to know someone with a, you know, if you don't have a Sam's membership, but I know someone that has a Sam's membership and I can go with them because they got a Sam's membership. I'm not going to pay for a Sam's membership on my own, but I know someone's got a Sam's membership and I'm going to go with that individual because I want to get whatever it is. That's not a good understanding of membership in the idea of the local New Testament church. You see, the idea is not what do I get as a member, rather it is the idea of what can I contribute to the body as a whole. And this is where biblical church membership and membership of any other sort really kind of differs. And if we approach the church membership as a uh, sort of a social club, we approach it as some sort of discount bargain store or what have you, we're going to be sorely uh, misled and, and, and terribly, terribly let down. Because I'm here to tell you, this is not worth membership fees. Thank you, Jeff. I'll get at least one amen. The membership is not about benefits and perks. If we approach church membership from this idea, we we are completely missing the biblical idea of what is uh, what is behind us. We must remember that the church is not a social club or a um, uh, a place for us to get. How many times have you been in a church service and maybe you walk away with this idea in mind? What did I get from church this morning? What did I get out of this service this morning? What did I get? And, and, and sometimes we even do it to ourselves. We ask one another, so what did you get this morning in church? What did you get out of the message? And we talked to one another after church. And here's the sad thing about it is when I walk away from the church and someone says, so what did you get out of church this morning? And you start to respond, nothing really. As if to say, I really didn't need to come. Really was of no benefit to me. I mean, people do it all the time. They leave a church because they didn't have what they wanted in that church. You know what? What I really want is I want this specific ministry over here. And since this church doesn't have this kind of ministry, it this church really is no use to me. 
And so I'm going to vacate my place over here and go find what's going to benefit me and my family the most. Can I help you with something for just a moment? I could start every sports league known to man. I could start every uh, counseling session known to man. We could have, we could have ministries for, uh, for hot rod enthusiasts. We could have ministries for hunters. We could have ministries for baseball players. We could have ministries for underwater basket weavers. I'm sure that one would get sign-up sheet filled the first. Yeah. People are like, I want to try that. We could have ministries for just about everything under the sun, but can I help you with something? Those ministries are not going to benefit you the way the Word of God will benefit. And so here's the, here's the really sad part about what happens in many churches and many people looking for church membership. They don't look for what the Word of God, what, what, how the pre, uh, preparation, how the presentation of the Word of God is. They don't look for any of that. What they look for is, does, does this church have a big enough youth group for my teenager? Does this church have a big enough children's ministry? Does this church have, have balloons? Does this church have baseball teams? Does this church, I want a softball league for Thursday nights, and if this church doesn't have a softball league. I ain't coming. We got the Bible. We've got God's word. And if I start anywhere else, see, here's, here's the problem. I go to a church because I get really revved up into in, in, in softball. And I'm excited because I want to play softball, and I, I, I want I want to find myself a good church with the soft that's in the softball league. And I'm showing up. I got my bat, and I got my ball, and I got my glove, and I'm ready to play softball. And then guess what happens? Three years down the road, I, I, I throw out my shoulder, and uh, guess what? I don't play softball anymore. But you know what I really started to enjoy? I really like cars. I don't have to have that shoulder just right to, you know, go. I, I like I like cars. I like racing cars. I like, I like fixing up cars now. And, but this church doesn't have a car league. We still got a softball league. And so often the idea of membership is all about me. And we look around so often at the different uh, uh, churches that are uh, that are around, and this is what we have to offer. No, this is what we have to offer, but we have this, but we have this instead. You, those people don't have enough. We've got all these things, and your your mind starts to blow. And and here's really the end of the uh, the end of the story with it all. And church no longer is about Christ and His Word. Church begins and becomes all about me. That's what that mentality of membership breeds. And so we've got to get back to where church is no longer about me. Church is about an opportunity for me to come together with you to worship him, to further his kingdom. Go back to the end of Matthew. Go back to the very end of Matthew. And I want you to notice something here. Matthew chapter 28 the risen Christ appears. He's talking with his, uh, uh, his disciples. He's, he's uh, getting ready to say his farewell. And I want you to note the last thing that he says. Look here in verse uh, 16. 
It says, then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. You ready for it? Here's the great commission. He says, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, uh, Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Jesus sends his disciples out to do something that we, we often overlook. It's all about disciples. Notice what he says at the very beginning of the Great Commission, verse number 19. He says, go ye therefore and teach all nations. He says, go out and make disciples. And then the second part, he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Make disciples, step two, is to mark the disciples. And then look at step three. He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then start a softball league. Did I miss something? Oh, teaching them to, uh, to, to uh, see, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and what? Teach. Teach, baptize, teach again. Teach what? To observe all things. The New Testament church was not commissioned by God to start a bunch of social clubs. It was to teach man how they can know and be uh, and, and fully conform to the image of God. That is why we are here. Church membership, my friends, is not about what's in it for you. It's about how we can contribute to the whole as far as this commission that we have been given. Biblical church membership is based around being part uh, rather than a beneficiary of. Now, now I want you to note back here in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 again, Paul writing to a disorderly church. Remember, whenever we are in 1 Corinthians, we have to remind ourselves, Paul is correcting everything. They had a lot of stuff that's wrong. And so in chapter 12, uh, he introduces this concept of the body. He's, he's trying to help them to understand this idea of the body. When you get into chapter 13, you're gonna see more of the attitude. People use 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter. It's read at, at weddings and everything, and people are all about the wedding aspect. But don't forget, he was talking to a church of how they ought to behave with one another. And so the love chapter really is all about how we ought to treat one another within the uh, uh, household of faith. But then when you get into chapter 14, he starts to expose where they were going wrong, the errors of what was taking place. And so look here in chapter 12, verse 12 again, for as the body is one and hath many members and all members of that one body being many are one body, uh, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free and have uh, been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. 
Now, we've talked about this in, in the past. We've talked about these things. We've brought this uh, uh, to light, uh, how that some people are the hands of the body. Other people are the foot, uh, foot of the body. Some people are the wallet. No, I'm just kidding. Now, so, you know, you've got all these different ideas, and some, some people are sitting around thinking to themselves, well, I know my part in the body, I am the gallbladder. I don't know. You know, you fill in what you are, you figure it out, that's between you and God. But here's the, here's the idea. Are you part of the body? That's the important thing to really focus in on. I was curious, and there are some Medical folks in here, they understand this a whole lot better than I do. Science was not my strong suit, but I Googled something. And if it's on the internet, it's got to be true, right? Bonjour. <laughs> the idea of a, a, an organ donor is really exciting. Somebody could be dying, could need my kidney and, and, when I'm dying and I shuffle off this mortal coil, I don't need my kidney anymore. Let them have it, right? You know, body parts cannot last forever outside of a body. You know, it's like, I think it's something like four to six hours is what I saw that a heart can stay outside of a body. It needs to be put in another body or it will If someone's hand is severed, they need to get it reattached as soon as possible, and there's no guarantee that it's going to go back on. Certain body parts can last, I think it was kidneys, somewhere up to 36 hours. But not forever. You can't remove... A, a liver and expect three weeks later for that liver to still be functioning. You need to get it in a body. The Bible refers to the New Testament, local New Testament church as a body. And there are many people who they go through their life and they're fine to be born again by the Spirit of God. They're fine to, uh, to uh, accept Christ as their Lord and Savior, but they don't want to attach themselves to a body, and they're a kidney flopping around out there waiting to be attached to the body. You don't survive that well. You need to get plugged in and attached as soon as possible. Body parts benefit the rest of the body. Again, the idea, not what do I get as a member, but what do I contribute as a member? The hand. I'm so thankful for my hands. I praise God that I have hands because every time my wife cooks, I'm thankful I have some way of getting the food to my face. Yeah. Now, there are people that they get along without hands. They have found ways to get along without hands. But you ask them, is it as easy as when you had hands? We need to understand what it is to be part of something bigger. Guess what? My hand means nothing without my arm. 
be kind of foolish to walk around going, I got hands. I don't know how many arms, but I got hands. And when I get some arms, I'll use my hands. You see, it doesn't work very well. Now, once, now that we know sort of an idea of what this church membership is all about, being part of something bigger, being part of a whole, now I guess the question would come in, but is it really even biblical? Do you have biblical evidences for church membership? Some have asked if it's even a scripture, if it's even scriptural, if there is a scriptural basis for it. Now, I want to be clear at the onset. There is no verse that says, thou shalt have church membership role and make sure that you keep it up to date. There's no, there's no cut and dry scripture on that. However, we do take, when we don't know a yes or no answer to that specific question, we take biblical precedence to build a foundation. And so let's look at just a just a, a couple things. You're in 1 Corinthians. Go back to chapter number 5. Now, remembering, this is a corrective book. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Notice verse number 1. It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication is not so much as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. And ye are puffed up, and have not rather mourned, that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. Stop for station identification. The church at Corinth, it says you're puffed up. They were proud of the fact that they were letting things go and we're not going to be judgmental. And Paul has to correct them and says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. No. We're talking about the church of Jesus Christ. We're talking about his reputation. Paul exhorts the church here. Remembering Cornell's a carnal church, they were corrected in their approach to church. He has to exhort the church, not the pastor. Note this. I think so often we expect the pastor to be the only one to actually enact uh, any sort of uh, uh, church guidance or church uh, uh, discipline or anything along those lines. We expect him to be the only one. No. If you just keep your hand here in, in chapter 5 and look at chapter number 1, look to whom he is writing. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. It says, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth. Notice to whom he is writing. He's not calling the pastor out. He's calling the entirety of the church out, pastor included. It's the church that he's trying to wake up. He says, you as a body of believers have a responsibility to ensure that what is taking place and what is going on by those who are claiming to be one of you, one of your members, one of your people going out into the public square, letting everybody know, I belong to this church, I go to this church, and they allow that to continue. Paul said, that's not right. 
He even takes it to an extent. Notice chapter 5. Look at verse 2. And ye are puffed up and have not rather, rather mourned that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. Some biblical evidences to this first is that discipline was enacted within the body. Within the body. Paul exhorts them to weed out any who is not keeping the church's reputation. Membership was important. Being part of the whole was important. Now, understand this. So many people want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Well, we don't want to be the sin police. We don't want to be judgmental. We don't want to do those kind of things. So we just won't do any of it. This is what was happening. And Paul's correcting them, saying, whoa, you're proud of how non-judgmental you are. You're puffed up. You should be mourning over this. Sad that this is taking place. The, the name of Jesus Christ and his church is of utmost importance to God. It should be to us as well. Should be. Now, draw, jump over to 2 Corinthians chapter 2 to see the uh, outcome of this. 2 Corinthians chapter number 2, look at, um, look at verse 5, but if any have caused grief, he hath not grieved me, but in part, that I may not overcharge you all, sufficient to such a man is the punishment which was inflicted of many. Paul is referencing some things that took place here. And I personally believe he is referencing the situation where the church had to enact discipline and had to put somebody out of their number. But he says something that's interesting in this verse that if we're not careful, we'll overlook. It says, sufficient to, uh, to such a man is the punishment which was inflicted of many. Paul uses the word many. Pleonon is the Greek word, which literally means the majority have decided. In other words, there was a group of people and the majority decided to do something to take action. So this only makes context, or it makes sense in the context of a recognized whole. Let's think about it from, from this angle. If we decided to, um, let's say we decided, let's say I, I'm dead, and all God's people said, I'm just kidding. Please don't amen that. <laughs> let's say I'm dead next week. And it's time to bring in a new pastor. And it's a Sunday morning. And it's time to vote on who's the new pastor. And there just happens to be a 
softball team. I don't know why I keep using softball. That's just what's on my head. I don't even play softball. I don't even think I own a softball. But anyway, a softball team is visiting. They happen to attend a church that day. And they sit and they hear this new guy preach a a sermon. And they're like, I like this guy. And then we put it to a vote. Everybody likes this, this guy as our new pastor? All in favor? Do you want them voting? Why not? And how do we know who can vote? Paul talks about it in letting everything be done decently and in order. And when he's referencing these things and he's putting it out there this way, it's because there needs to be some accountability. Not only that, but I want you to notice some of the other things that, was, that took place on these biblical evidences, that ministry was done through the body. Go back to the book of Acts, for example. Acts chapter number 6. Acts chapter number 6, verse number 1. And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. So apparently they kept a list of all the widows. They kept track of them to make sure that they were not be, they were not falling through the cracks. They were not being ignored. They were being taken care of. If you were to jump over into, and you can write this one down, but for time's sake, we're not good there. But in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 9, Paul references it there. He says, a widow should not be taken into the number. In other words, shouldn't be added to the list at a certain point, until a certain point. And so apparently they kept track of these things and they monitored these things within the context of the local New Testament church. If you look at, continue here in Acts chapter 6, verse number 2, he says, Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and says, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we will appoint over this business. Notice what he says, look ye out among you. And so officers, in this case specifically, the deacons were taken from amongst who they knew were part of the body. It wasn't just anybody. They were very careful with this. So officers being chosen from within, ministry being done uh, through the body, and d- discipline even enacted within the body. If you remember, we talked about this last week. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, he says, take care of what's inside the walls. What are you doing judging everything outside the walls? Take care of what's inside the walls. With all that being said, let's look at just a couple other things, and then we're going to bring everything back full circle. If discipline, ministry, officers, etc., if all of this comes from the local New Testament church and some sort of membership, then we must see that we are all part of the whole. It's not about benefits. It's not about perks. It's not about getting a longer receipt. seems like when you you become a member, they say, do you have a perks card? 
Yes, we have a perks card. And you have to thumb through 473 other perks cards to find that one perks card so that you can scan it and get a long receipt. If you didn't have the perks card, the receipt's this small. You know, less paperwork to have to keep up with, right? But you get the perks cards. But as I said a while ago, just as an organ needs a body to survive, believers also need the fellowship and the help of the local New Testament church to grow. When I read Ephesians chapter 5, and it talks about husbands loving your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it, and present it to itself a glorious church without spot or wrinkle, it makes no sense to me why someone who would claim to be born again by the Spirit of God would tell me they have no use of the church. So you have no need for what Christ gave his life for. You see, church membership is so much bigger than what I can get out of it. And the question is, have I really grasped that concept? Because so many times people fight tooth and nail. I'm going to just stay what I am. I'm going to do what I am. I'm going to be what I am. I'm going to stay how I am. And I'm not going to worry about anybody else. They've completely missed the idea of church. I want you to understand this membership is not for the elite. Going back to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, let's bring this all full circle. Membership is not about eliteness. It's not about any of that. It's about becoming part of a whole. You know, there are vacancies in the body of Christ because the body parts are missing. And oftentimes, the sad truth is that the body part that is missing, the hand that's missing, or the arm that's missing, or the knee that's missing, is sitting in the seats, not willing to get involved, not desires to become part of the whole. But I want us to notice what takes place. We read down to verse 20. Let's start back there again. But now are they many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more, those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. Think about this. Someone may say, well, I'm not the mouth. Well, I'm not the hand, so I must not be as important. So this church is going to continue right on without me. You know that uh, the hands and the mouth isn't going to do a lot if the lungs aren't working. I can remember a day when a little part of my body about that big sent me to the emergency room. Don't tell me 
one part is not important. The whole body is waiting for some of you to say, I'm done. I'm going to be part of it. But I want you to realize that unified does not mean uniform. So many people feel, well, I have to fall into this kind of a category. I've got to be this kind of person or I've got to do these kind of things if I want to be part of this church. My friend, you may be exactly what this church needs to get the gospel to people that only you can reach. It says in verse 21, the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee. Drop down to verse 23. Those members of the body, which we think to be less honorable, upon those we bestow more abundant honor. And our comely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need But God hath tempered the body together, giving even more abundant honor to the part which lacked. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, government, diversities of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healings? Do do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. Here's what he's saying. You have a specific function that God has gifted you to be able to perform. And he wants every single one of you with your varying gifts and your different abilities to come together in one body and do what God has created you to do. Here's the difficult thing. I've had people ask me before, and it's a natural question. I'm not upset at it or anything. I don't, I'm not trying to be unkind. But people will ask me things like this, Pastor, I want to serve. What do you need? I can come up with a lot of stuff, but you know, I've asked a lot of lungs in my time to walk somewhere. And I've asked a lot of hands to be that blood pumping muscle that sends sends blood through the rest of the body. I've asked elbows to think. We all know elbows can't think. If you're the elbow in the body of Christ, I don't mean anything derogatory. I don't know what part of the body you are. God has gifted you with some abilities and some certain uh, interests and focus. 
It's time for you to study into your doctrine of creation, find out how God gifted you, and then maybe instead of coming up and saying, hey, I'm a lung, what do you want me to do? Well, I tell you what, why don't you be an arm? You can come up and say, Pastor, I'm a lung. (laughs) And here's something I'd like to do for the body of Christ. You know, we have from time to time, we have different different, uh, events and different things going on, and some people are like, I don't want to have anything to do with that. But you know that there is a way for every one of you to get involved. Some of us are going to be going to uh, one of the schools this week. I'll be spending some time with the kids in the school. I'll be teaching a lesson. And some people are like, you're going to willingly go hang out with kids? Yeah, I'm going to have fun. You're like, I wouldn't do it. Well, praise God for you. Because guess what? God also needs people who are willing to get on their knees and pray while we're there. God needs people that would sit down and gladly write a little letter to the teachers of that school, letting them know we're praying for them, and we can pass them out for you when we get there. God needs people who know how to pick up a bag of chips or a a box of Little Debbie's to send with us. God needs people who like to go buy bubble gum to hand out to kids so they can get it, put it in their mouth, go back to their classroom and get in trouble with their teachers. What part are you playing in the body of Christ? Make it practical and we'll be done. Are you part of the local New Testament church? Are you part of the body or are you bodiless? Are you a lung floating around looking for someone to help breathe? Let me ask you this way. Why would you not desire to join? Coming up here at the end of May, we're going to have a big baptism celebration. We're going to get excited about people getting baptized, added to the church. We got other people who are ready to join. They're going to join the church and become family members. It's a big day. What about you? Are you bodiless and happy to be bodiless? Let me ask it this way. Are you even able to be part of this local New Testament body of believers? Well, I don't know. How, what would keep me from being able to be? Are you born again by the Spirit of God? Because if you're not, you're not able to be part of the body. That's first and foremost. The Bible talks about being baptized and added to the church. Have you been scripturally baptized? I'm not talking about this universal idea of, yeah, I'm part of every church. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Liberty Bible Church. What's holding you back from becoming part of the body? What's keeping you from becoming one of the body of Christ? Only you can answer that. But this month, I pray that you come face to face with the reality that you too 
need to be attached to the local New Testament church. Father, I ask, Lord, that you would stir in hearts now. Lord, as we focus and as we draw our attention to what you have gloriously put together in the body that represents you, that reveals you to this world, help us, Lord. I ask you that you would help each and every one of us to have a complete understanding, to, to, to see clearly what it is that your church uh, is offering. It's not offering programs. It's not offering uh, different events. It's offering you. This church is offering a relationship with you and a better knowledge of you, offering your word. And so, Father, as we collectively look at how we too can grow in that knowledge and then help others grow in that knowledge, expose to us, Father, our personal doctrine of creation and how we can be a benefit to the rest. I pray, Lord, that you would watch over this time. Use this invitation. I know it's been a different kind of service, Lord, but you can speak through anything. And so call people to you. Call them to obedience. Call them to knowing you. And be very careful to praise you, for it's in your Son's name we pray. Amen. You have been listening to Andy Lake, Bible teacher with Grow in Liberty and pastor of Liberty Bible Church. We pray that you were challenged today and encourage you to share this message with your friends and family. If you were motivated in some way to grow in your walk with Christ, please drop us a line and reference the title of today's message. You can access us online at growinliberty.org. Email us at together at growinliberty.org or send us a letter to Liberty Bible Church, 2111 Sodom Hutchings Road, Vienna, Ohio, 44473. If you would like to support Grow in Liberty financially, you may also do that at growinliberty.org. Thank you so much for joining us today.